0: Welcome to episode eight hundred and seventy of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode. 7. Eight hundred and seventy of I'm Talk
1: with Coach John Newsome and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I'm really good, thanks, Bevan. Going out for a ride today? Well, it's funny you should say that because I very nearly didn't ride up to your place. The weather forecast was supposed to be raining out there in about forty-five minutes, but I thought, no, fortune favours the brave. I'm going to give it a crack. And it's looking nice out there, so yeah, I do have nice. to have a little ride out there, yes. You know what, you can see that plane landing over there that right now. Yeah, great podcasting. Yeah, yes. we've got, the of View
0: looks amazing today, and uh, we've got a plane going off in the distance. The A380 from mm. Emirates arrived last week. Oh my God, it's a big plane. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can even from this far away, we're probably, what, 3 or 4k away from there? Yeah. Yeah. And the so, rest. Yeah, and, and yeah, the air as a bird flies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, probably, you know, probably, what, 10k? Um, Sig- like it's significantly, it's huge. Yeah. Even in the ear, I was like, oh my God, that's a big plane. Yeah. Yeah. I it's didn't realize the first time I got on one, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Downstairs toilets and everything. Yeah. Anyway, good podcasting stuff. So oh, people, people love us. Play yeah. talk. Play <laughs> 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 talk is proudly brought to you by our awesome patrons. Uh, you go first. Julian the Commandant Swartz, named Ooh. after good old uh, good Hogan's old. heroes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I used to always quote Hogan series, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, Mark Hot Rod Dixon. And Chris Shredit Schrader. Now, John's on holiday this week, so it's a little bit different because we are chucking a couple interviews in, but we have got some upcoming races, so we've got a little bit of news, and then we've got two interviews.
1: We have, so we're going to talk to Thomas Steiger, who is a European athlete that a lot of you guys wouldn't have heard of before, focuses on the half Ironman distance mainly, has some kick-ass results. And then
0: we've got an interview with Dr. Greg Wells, we've had him on a show in the past, he's recently brought out a book called Powerhouse, Protect Your Energy, Optimise Your Health and Supercharge Your Performance, and uh, yeah, we'll be having him on later on the show as well. So let's quickly look at the news. Uh, So we're saying, what's coming up this weekend? We've got Ironman Texas. Oh, this is going to be uh, an interesting race
1: for a number of reasons. Does it get interesting because qualifying becomes really important now? Uh most of the big Cahuna, no, a lot of the big have qualified, or have they? I haven't even looked at the list. Well, or so hidden? No, he hasn't. Um, but if I look at the the boys' list, uh, Joe Skipper is seed number one on tryrating.com along with Matt Hanson. They've both qualified. Chris Leiferman was down to race third. He hasn't qualified. Um, and then, yeah, below that. Um, you got guys like Cody Beals in there, Bart not. so um, I'm expecting Joe Skipper to do some serious arse whooping at this race. Um, but the race for... Yeah, everywhere else on the podium could be quite interesting. Looking forward to seeing how Trevor Foley goes, who we had on the show it was either last week or the week before. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm picking uh, Joe to kick some butt. Is this
0: a championship race? I know it's a gold race under PTO, and it's paying at 175.
1: I'm um, uh, assuming it must be be, I think, the American, the Championship. American Championships on tr- TryRating.com. Uh, last year, we had Ben Hoffman take the race out. Uh, had a very, It was basically, it wasn't quite a sprint finish, but it came down right to the end um, with Magnus Ditlev, who had issues on the bike, um, but ran a 240, and that was really the making of his sort of Ironman career, and then went on to kick some serious butt in rote. So yeah, there's only... 12, 13 seconds between Hoffman and Ditt Levin on the female side we saw Jocelyn McCauley kill everybody um, she went at 858-13. so boys race thinking Joe Skipper um, the, rest, the race for second could be interesting but it's predicted to be Matt Hansen and then someone I've never heard of before Fernando Toldi from Brazil is rated 4th on Torsten's rating predicted to come in in an 8.01 but I'm expecting some of the lower ranked athletes like Cody Beals uh, to potentially come through and kick some butt um, got around about 30 5 to 40 sort of men racing on the female side. Um, Kat Matthews, going to be interesting to see how she goes. You know, She came came back from that horrific bike crash and had a really good race at the Ocean Size 70.3. Um, whether she can double the distance and has the endurance back to to smoke it, will be wait and see, uh, if she's on top form, she's predicted to win by 10 minutes in front of Jocelyn McCauley and Mayor Stage Nelson, um, so Jocelyn McCauley normally swims quicker than Kat Matthews, um, bike's about the same and Cat Matthews has a much better run rating, but when Jocelyn McCauley is on form, her run can be fantastic and she is the defending champion, so again, another big um, that's a, this is a whopping female-sized yeah. field. You don't normally see, you know, it's probably about 30 athletes um, that are listed there to start. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And there are only two two guys who have qualified. Mm. So
0: now how many – and it's got five slots. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. It's For female and male, so 10 slots all together. That's going to that's gonna do a bit of rolling. And in the
0: female field, none of them are qualified.
1: Yeah. So Rudy Von Berg will be desperate to qualify, you know, because um, – he is from sort of the Nice area, so her, and he will know the roads exceptionally well. And now we we
0: spoke to Chris Lieferman last week. Now, based on what he's talking about, I can't see him racing, but no, this no is way. an opportunity, isn't it? Yeah. So Um, yeah. So, so definitely, some athletes are going to be taking the most of this race because a lots of slots, b good prize money, but and the field's strong. It's 11 of a Kona field for the females, and it's 19 for a men's, but not. You wouldn't say it's the real championship field, would
1: you? No, and and the reason for that being is a lot of athletes are going to be focusing on the Ibiza um, PTO race as, as sort of kicking off their season, I imagine. When's that? In May at some stage, I so a month afterwards, so a lot of people will be able to turn it around. But um, still, if you're focusing on the, the big, big ones, um, you'll be waiting for that.
0: Okay, you always say the Challenge Grand Canera, and it's going to be happening, and we've got a pretty good field there as well. It's yeah. stellar field no means
1: men's. one is strength of field is 86.8. 9 1 That's pretty strong on the female side. The strength of field is 79.23. So, boys, you've got uh, Sam Lalo, Florian Angert, Aaron Royal, and Patrick Langer sort of hitting the rankings there. Um, but, pretty pretty deep field. And uh, on females, you've got Ann Haug, you think is going to uh, decimate everybody in front of Ruth Astle, Indy Lee, and Svenja Tholes. So, yeah, uh, when I've seen this race before, I remember Brownlee, I think. I don't know if he won. I think he was smoked everybody at it. It just looks beautiful. Or at least the pictures I saw it looks fantastic.
0: Okay, so that's, that's pretty much it for, for the news for today because we are pre-recording. But we do have a quiz question, John. So the quiz question is what?
1: Who won the bronze medal on the male and female side at the Sydney Olympics in 2000? This is for all you try geeks and your animals. Male and female. Male and female. Yeah, I think, I, I think I've got it. You will hit my, yeah. I, I don't that, think I've that's got my It's an unfair advantage.
0: Okay, let's go into interview. You're going to put your interview up first.
1: Yes, so we, I uh, had a chat to St- Thomas Steiger, who you're going to hear from. He is, you know, some people go, oh, he's, you know, why do you interview people that are sort of ranked? And, you know, he's ranked 47th. Yep. And the standard of field in Europe is so strong. And Thomas kicks some butt at a lot of these races. Yet, um, probably not a particularly well known name. So, I thought it's always nice to get a bit of a European flavor on uh, and highlight some of their awesome performances. Okay, here is Thomas right now. Okay, everyone, uh, today's guest is from Austria. He's currently ranked 47th on the PTO rankings. Uh, his name's Thomas Stager. He is a two-time winner of Challenge Rekoni, uh, as well as multiple other wins on challenge events in places like Davos and Walshi, Grand Canaria, and he's also part of the PWAG racing team in Europe. So welcome along to the show, Thomas.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Right. So you're from uh, Austria. Tell us a bit uh, about where you're from in Austria and and, uh, a bit about your life before triathlon.
2: Um, The part of Austria where I come from is Tyrol. Do you know it?
1: Yes. Yeah. They're they're, they're famous for skiing.
2: Yeah, exactly. A lot of mountains, valleys, and uh, it's the small strip between Germany and Italy. So. 30 kilometers in the other direction is Germany and in the other one is Italy, <laughs> not far.
1: Is there much triathlon in your area or how did you get into it?
2: Um, yeah, medium, I would say. Uh, we have the, or better say, we had the WTS race in Kitzbühel, mm. but I, I think it's no more part of the World Series. Um, we have challenged Wolfsburg for 10 years now. So. Uh, yeah, and that's it probably.
1: <laughs> I know you. You said before we started you were watching uh Perry Robay on the the trainer, and I know in cycling, there is some some interesting sponsors. Uh, you're part of the PWAG team now. They're they're a chain making company like industrial chains. What what is P-Wag's interest in triathlon?
2: Um that's a good question. Um,
1: <laughs> I don't know the
2: the owner of the company he likes triathlon. Yeah. Um I don't know to be yeah. honest. Yeah, no, that's but, uh, they are from Klagenfurt. The city where the Ironman Austria takes place. Right. And they are sponsoring that event. Um yeah, they have a big launch at the expo area. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are renting a, a big boat every year. They are supporting that event for many years now and so they they made a team for um 10 10 years now yeah
1: excellent so uh last season uh you had two good wins in europe and then from looking at your results on the pto page uh, it was your first time racing outside of europe at the canadian open and the 70.3 world champs um what was it like for you to do your first races, uh, out of Europe?
2: Um, no, my first race outside of Europe was, uh, Daytona in the COVID year oh, in yeah. 2020, yep. but I didn't do, do well there <laughs> and yeah, Canada was nice, I would say, but the way back, um, there was a, a I don't know how to say strike. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. From, from Lufthansa, I had to sleep three nights in the airport. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not so good. How is it called in English when the workers are...
1: Yeah, no, strike. Strike, okay. Oh, no. So you're literally <laughs> sleeping at the airport or in a hotel at the airport?
2: Uh, no, one night in the Edmonton airport and one night in Toronto
1: airport. Oh, no, what a disaster. Um... Then...
2: Frankfurt. <laughs> what,
1: what was it like for you doing? Uh, what were the PTO races and the World Seventy Point Three Champs compared to some of the other, you know, maybe slightly smaller events that you you often do?
2: Yeah, um, it was completely different. Um, I I would say there there was uh, almost no focus on me in the mm. Canadian Open. There were other good guys to watch so um i I was kind of relaxed yeah but still um yeah it was great um yeah i never saw the 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 head of the race (laughs) only on the turning points that was also a bit different (laughs) so i had no chance to be honest but yeah i was my goal was top 20 and yeah i think i finished 17th i don't remember yeah something like that and yeah, that was it was
1: decent. Okay. Yeah, there was uh, still some some big names uh behind you, you know, Jackson Laundry, Jason West, uh and some big names behind you, but yeah, that's a, yeah. a very competitive race. Um now in terms of Iron Man, uh I see you started in Challenge Almeida last year. Um is Iron Man uh, going to be a focus for you going forward?
2: Um to be honest, I prefer more the challenge series mm. um, because I had some podiums there, and so they offer me the hotels most most of the time. Mm. In, in Ironman, I never had that, and <laughs> I had to pay for the license, so I was more on the challenge side. To be honest,
1: yeah, absolutely. How how do you plan your season? You know, when you're thinking this year right what races am i going to do is it uh the the type of course is it the prize money is it places you want to go you know how, how do you decide which races you'll do this season
2: um yeah uh, kind of those that my sponsors want of course and um that are easy to reach mm. and the Profiles are like, I would say my favorite race in Riccione this year, unfortunately got canceled. Oh, <laughs> so no. I probably, I probably start at a uh, challenge Sankt in Austria and I will probably do Ironman Austria this year because mm-hmm. my sponsor wants it mm-hmm. and yeah, then we will see.
1: Excellent. Okay. Um, in terms of your training, what, what does a, a normal training week look like for you?
2: Um, yeah, to be honest, I do not swim so much <laughs> compared to the, to the other professionals. Yeah, because in the in the COVID year, I found out that uh, if I swim almost nothing, <laughs> I swim the same than when I train it six times a week. So nice. I reduced it, reduced it a bit because yeah. uh, in the COVID year, the the pools were closed. Um, I mean, I, I could there because professionals were allowed. But we were not allowed to go there by ourselves. We had to go with a coach, right? And so, I didn't have one who had time. So Mm -hmm. I I went to the swimming pool in the whole winter. I think five times, and Hmm. and my swim was the same than the years before. So I started to reduce it, and now I swim maybe once or twice a week. Otherwise, running and cycling I do uh, every day.
1: Do you have any complete days off training?
2: Um, normally not, uh, if there's a travel day, the training camp, for example, or there is, I don't know, a big other event, but normally not, no, not a complete mm. day, easy days, of course.
1: Yes. Yeah. So what, what's, uh, what, what are your favorite training sessions that you look forward to?
2: Um, oh, good question. Um, <laughs> I
1: know what the least favorite are. <laughs>
2: swimming? No, <laughs> no I, I like swimming. Uh, honestly, so once or twice a week is perfect for me that I like it. If it's five, six times a week, I'm probably annoyed by it. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, And I don't really like long runs.
1: Long runs? Anything,
2: anything that's longer than 20K is, uh, I don't like it.
1: <laughs> uh, excellent. <laughs> Now, you've done, in Europe, there are so many really cool courses. Uh, what, what's your favorite course? Is it the, the Challenge Raconi one that you've won several times, or have you got other favorite courses in Europe?
2: Um. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm really bad at descending, but I'm, <laughs> I'm really good when it's uphill. So the, the perfect race for me is uh, when the finish is higher than the starting point. Yeah. There's one race in La Palma in the Canary Islands where they start at the ocean and the finish is at uh, 2,400 meter elevation on top of the volcano. Nice. That's perfect for me.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) No descending.
1: Uh, uh, Maybe the Alpe d'Huez triathlon, but then you do have... uh... Some descending on that as well, but at least you you finish high. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, I did it, two thousand seventeen.
1: Nice. How did that go?
2: Uh, not so well.
1: <laughs> no, I
2: I lost my saddle.
1: Oh my goodness!
2: <laughs> yeah, That's so... you, you can watch it on YouTube. Oh really? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> we'll have on, to find on camera. Yeah. Oh no! I was in the I was in the lead on the final climb, and then all of a sudden I lost my saddle, and yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh no! And did we did you uh, finish the race, or did you? You know, it's a long uh, climb to do without a saddle.
2: I finished the bike leg, but on the run, yeah, no, I, I was bonking already on the bike.
3: Yeah,
2: I didn't drink and eat enough, and <laughs> without saddle, I, yeah. I stopped on the run. So it was fun, so in this. In some... hindsight.
1: Some random questions. What what time of the day does your first workout normally start, and what time is the latest time in the day you train?
2: Um. Yeah, I like to run in the morning, um, without breakfast. Um, is it how is it called? Sober? No.
1: Yeah. Uh, um. Fasted.
2: Yeah. Fasted. Fasted. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do this quite a lot. Um. I don't know. Maybe it's three four times a week. I like that and i i'm a pretty late trainer so it can happen that it's becomes 9 10 in the evening probably really?
1: wow in winter
2: yes and not not in summer in summer i do everything outdoor in summer probably it's yeah. when as soon as it starts to get dark it's finished but in winter probably yeah can happen in the night
1: <laughs> excellent uh, when you're in a race and things are getting really, really hard, what what's going through your mind? You know, what do you tell yourself to do when the going gets tough?
2: Um. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, on on the middle distances, uh, where the finish is not too far, uh, I try to to count down, like I probably do in intervals. So I say, yeah, half an hour of pain, 20 minutes of pain, 10 minutes of pain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's my strategy. And in long distance, I didn't do too much long distance yet, but uh, yes, you always, you have to settle, uh, no, you have to set uh, uh, a goal maybe to the next aid station and then to the next aid station. Mm. You cannot think three more hours, that's that's too hard. (laughs) You cannot think only 40 more kilometers. It's too hard mentally.
1: Um, Smaller steps. This is a really random one. How do you do you have coffee? And if you have coffee, how do you take your coffee?
2: Oh, yeah, drink coffee. Not a lot. Not so much as others do uh, to
1: post on Instagram.
2: (laughs) When I do, yeah, with a lot of sugar and milk.
1: And if you could go back to the start of your professional triathlon career, what advice would you give to yourself?
2: Oh, um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say, do it because you you love it. Uh, do it for yourself and not to impress others.
3: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, uh, so in terms of uh, yeah, in terms of any sponsors or, or if people want to follow you, what's the the best way for them to do that?
2: Um, yeah, I'm not so good with the social media. Um, <laughs> Instagram. Yeah. I have I have Strava. Nice. Um, follow the training, but uh, other than that, I don't have too much
1: what what's the the goal for the next um next few years?
2: um yeah, I only did one long distance really good so far, so I have to improve there
3: mm-hmm.
2: and yeah maybe some I'm not too young anymore, but I think a few more years I can do good probably on the b t o races that mm-hmm. are fairly new now, so maybe a good res- some good
1: results there.
2: And uh, of course, the goal is to stay in the. What did you say? I'm forty seventh now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, forty. I think forty seventh. Yes.
2: Yeah. the The goal should be to be in the top forty or thirty, so that you are qualified all the time for the events. Yeah,
1: totally. So I need
2: to improve a bit and hopefully stay there. Yeah. And yeah.
1: And and what do you like doing outside of triathlon?
2: Um. Yeah, I do like skiing because of in the area where i live cross country skiing that's a good workout for triathletes also Mm -hmm. i don't know where you are from can you do it uh
1: we're we're in new zealand so oh not so much uh a little bit downhill skiing but not so much uh cross country and uh yeah we don't we the outdoor sports are are not so big down here medium medium so okay Uh, okay Excellent. Okay. Uh so what did you say? What's your first race for the season?
2: Um probably challenge St. Bolton in
1: Austria. Oh. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. And what, what what
2: date's that? It's on the twentieth of May, I think. Nice. So one and a half months.
1: Excellent. Oh we look forward to following you. I, I your name often yes. comes up when we do results and you're kicking some butt uh especially on the the run leg uh so i've seen you i remember one close race with kyle smith uh kiwi and uh yeah we see yeah. your name popping up quite regularly so that that's why i wanted to get you on the show so thanks so much for your uh, time thanks. Thanks. and um all the best for the season
2: thanks and uh greetings to mark Baustad, if you have him oh, yes in yeah. Show,
1: yeah.
2: So. Excellent. he's my team
1: Okay, n- uh, well, any Bevan, thoughts, you, John? Well, I think there was music to a lot of people's ears there, so you you haven't heard the interview, Bevan. No. But swimming, he's only swimming once a week, as you guys have just heard, um, because he found when he swam more, didn't work for him. So, so what's the swimming
0: background? Is he no good? or no,
1: uh, oh, He just found over COVID, when he didn't swim, he didn't get any slower, as you guys have just heard. So uh, interesting theory there. And sounds But, but like,
0: what's the swimming, is he a good swimmer? No, not no So he's not even trying to get better?
1: Just av- average, yeah. And, uh, what's the point? W- yeah, I, sw- I swam more and didn't get any quicker. So maybe um, it's, but it's just, Harry swim. Yeah, but it's just um, different different perspective there from Thomas. You know, sounds like he's you know relatively cruisy in terms of um, his approach to things, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, got some fantastic results, and I think uh, keep an eye out for him this season, doing a little bit better at some of those PTO races because. When he's got it on, like he has at a number of the the challenge races, you know, and uh, he's beating some some really top quality athletes. Have you, you not done your phone? Turn my phone off. No. Oh, were, were people can hear. Yeah, yeah, it's it. obvious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How many years we've we been doing this? So, like, like it, for example, last year he finished third at the Challenge Samarin race, um, behind Gustav Eden and Richard Varga, beating guys like me, Tag Holt, uh, Kyle Smith, um, Tom Davis, Peter Hemmerich, and so on. And yeah, it's on his day, look out for him.
0: Honest, that here. Okay, that's it. Now, we've got another interview coming up, and this is with Dr. Greg Wells. Dr. Greg Wells is... An author of many books, He's the, the Ripple Effect, uh, which is sleep better, eat better, move better, think better. Uh, the Focus Effect, change your work, change your life. Refocus, rest, recharge. and no, rest, refocus, recharge, a guide to optimal life. But his latest book was called Powerhouse. Protect your energy, optimize your health, and supercharge your performance. Uh, Greg's always a really good Interview We have had him on the show in the past, so here is Dr. Greg Wells right now. Everybody, welcome along. Uh, welcome back to the show. Greg
3: Wells, he's a, he's a world leading kind of fitness thinker, and he's brought out how many books have you done now? This is five, shockingly. Like my English teacher from grade eight would have a nervous breakdown if I actually <laughs> said that to him, but yeah, this is number five, and i super psyched about bringing this one out into the world for sure.
0: You guys can't see, but Greg's obviously got himself a studio now because I think the first time I interviewed you, you're walking out in the snow, and it yep. was,
3: <laughs> it's contrast. Yeah. We've actually tried to up our game a little bit. I'm indoors now for my yep. Zoom calls and there's actually some like stuff behind me. It's real. Those are actual books. So um, yeah, know it's good. It's good to take it up a notch and and see how far we've come over the last couple of years from like the frantic scrambling well, la- I, I la- figuring think, out
0: Zoom. I think last time we spoke was literally when COVID had hit and you were kind of having a really kind of U-turn in your business going more online and everything. It was a pretty dramatic moment for everyone. So obviously we're a couple of years down that pathway and it's obviously working out for you.
3: Yeah. It's been really good. Like I was, you know, I'm, I'm a very fortunate. I've got a research practice at a hospital, so that's safe and stable and that carried on, but all of the public speaking went to zero, you know, all of the public engagement stuff went to zero. So we had to pivot rapidly to Mm. something online. But the really cool thing is everything blew up because I could speak in the UK, Australia, Canada, India, the States, right? Everywhere. And instead of having to fly all over the place, we could reach people at scale. And so it really blew up. Now everything's transitioning back to live, which is nice. And It's nice to see people in three dimensions, but for sure, there's going to be both aspects to the, mm. to the business and the work moving forwards, which wasn't possible before, right? So now it is. And now we can do so much more like you and I jumping on a Zoom call around, literally around the world and chatting about high performance. So it's just so cool the way things have landed.
0: So the new book's called Powerhouse.
3: What was the driver behind just this initial putting this project together? Yeah, about, you know, a year and a half ago, um, as the pandemic was dragging on and I was starting to interface with people like live and all that stuff. It's like, wow, everyone is exhausted. People are so burned out. Like there's been a massive toll of this Mm. whole situation on all of us. And I was like, okay, so everyone's exhausted and burned out and tired and overwhelmed. So what's the opposite of that energy? So it needs more energy. Cool. As a physiologist, you're like, where do we get energy from? You'd go into the human body and you find out that's mitochondria. Actually, these little tiny structures inside all of our cells that break down the foods that we eat to create energy. And when I began to explore them in more detail, I realized these structures are involved. Mitochondria are involved in all chronic disease, cancer, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, neurodegenerative disor- disorders, even depression, mental health challenges, but they're also hyper-responsive to all of the health and well-being tactics that you and I teach people. And that's around exercise, breath work, meditation, stress management. And so there's infinite hope for us to do better, but in a very scientific way around optimizing our mitochondria so we have more energy so we can overcome the challenges that we're faced with right now. It is interesting
0: when you talk about the stress of the last few years, because it's, um, I think, you know, everyone's got to the other side of this COVID period and there is this kind of, you maybe didn't realize how much stress you were under. And I even just think of my wife and I, we we're in a very fortunate position where it wasn't that bad for us, you know, the whole COVID thing and, and the stresses of it. But even then we got to the end of it, it was like, We because our thing is one of our things is travel is a way to relax. Um, and we hadn't traveled in like two and a half years, you know, and and you couldn't then you do realize actually there has been a cost for someone who it was minorly affected by this period. And and I do think you're right. And and also, just with the world right now and you know the financial systems and all this, I think a lot of people are living under stress, which maybe they're not even acknowledging.
3: Yeah, and one of the ways for us to tell about how we're doing when it comes to, like to say, navigating the pandemic or Mm. dealing with the news cycle that's constantly coming at us or changes in our work going from, you know, live to virtual to hybrid or who knows what it is moving forwards. Uh, It's a period of really a lot of uncertainty and there has been a lot of stress that does take its toll. But one of the cool things that I've discovered is this idea around Hormesis, which is that a little bit of stress is actually quite good for us, but a lot of stress is not. Okay. And so when we have a little bit of stress, that actually is what stimulates us to grow and get positively, um, get positive adaptation throughout our body. If you lift some weights, you stress your muscles, you rest a little bit, the muscles get stronger, go for a run, break down your mitochondria, rest your, your mitochondria and your fitness grows. You think uh, at in depth, like you work through a psychologically challenging day at work your neurons in your brain get tired. They get broken down. They get depleted. When you rest, they rebuild so that you are more resilient. So stress is this incredible catalyst for us to get better as long as we allow ourselves the time to rest, recover, and regenerate afterwards. That's why a little bit of stress is awesome. A lot definitely isn't. The chronic stress is what really gets to us. So you have a tough day at work, then you go home, maybe relationships at home are challenging. That's stressful. And then you sit down to relax and you doom scroll through social media and you see that the world's blowing up, right? It just becomes relentless and chronic. And that's what we've got to try to break through to get to a better place. So in writing
0: the book, what was the approach? You know, What's the objective? And and, um, talk us through the process of the book and, and also what you're trying to teach people in the book.
3: So in all of the work that I do, I want people to do their best at the things they care about the most. So I'm a performance physiologist. I work a lot with Olympic level athletes and CEOs and helping them get on the podium in whatever shape or form that happens to look like, but I'm always grounded in science. Like I have a research practice at a children's hospital and we do research for kids with cancer and cystic fibrosis and those sorts of conditions. So it's learning from science to inform high performance. And when I was trying to craft this book and, come up with the messaging around it. We had like 12 things that we might talk about and just kept on refining it and breaking it down and breaking it down and ended up with four main sections, all geared around mitochondria. So we want our mitochondria to be optimized so that we have the lowest risk for disease, the best chance for high performance. We want to make sure our mitochondria have what they need to do their best deep down inside of our tissues. The first thing that we need to do is get them oxygen. So breath work becomes a fascinating approach to improve our brain, our nervous system, our muscles, and all of our organs. Obviously, exercise, we know, sparks us to get fitter. So I revisit that. I thought that was relevant, given that so many people sort of either took up a lot of exercise during the pandemic or did none. So it's sort of Mm, some context around that. Um, And then energy practices that can help us to improve our adaptations. That's that hormesis concept. And then finally digging into like, how do we get back to thriving? Because we've been floundering and we've been languishing for a few years now and i really want to skip back to joy i want to skip back to loving life and really truly living at the highest possible level so yeah i landed on a framework of breathe move energize and thrive i try to keep things super simple hyper accessible but very grounded in science and and that's where we landed
0: when you talk about so let's let's briefly t- obviously we won't give people the book but briefly touch on each area so when we talk about breathing practices um uh, but what level are you looking at here? Is it looking at as in, you know, there's a, a moment in your day where you actually go through a process where you're practicing
3: breathing, like what, what talk to us about what that kind of looks like. I mean, the fortunate thing is our bodies are well-regulated. So if you yeah. don't want to think about breathing, you will yeah. breathe anyway. It's yeah. kind of yeah. cool, right? Like <laughs> you, structures <laughs> you don't need to think about it. It's going to happen. Don't worry about it. We're all good. Um, however, if we deliberately adjust the pattern of our breathing, we can manipulate our nervous system a little bit, which is really interesting. So for example, if we do long, slow exhales, so let's all just, we can do this together since we were hanging out and we're chatting. So we'll take a deep breath in and then just do a long exhale. We refer to that as the birthday candle breath. So when we do these long, slow exhales, that sends a signal to the stress region of the brain from the medulla, which is where breathing is controlled. That everything's okay, you can calm down, you're safe. And it allows that region of the brain to decrease its activity level, decreasing the stress signals that then get sent out into the body. It's a it's a very powerful way for us to calm down very quickly. It's the birthday candle breath you're imagining blowing out the birthday mm-hmm. candles or the breath of calm. We've seen the opposite. Like if you look at tennis players, for example, they exhale and almost scream as they hit the ball, right? So if you do a hard, fast exhale. Like you might see an athlete do before they start a race at the Olympics so on TV, just like, you know, yeah, just yeah. to try to eat. That's how you can actually get activated. You can increase your stress level, which you might need to do certain times if you're like tired before a meeting or okay, you're to feel more engaged about to do. Yeah. Like if you're about to lift some weights, right. It's like brings your attention into the present moment. It psychs you up. But in our world right now, the game for all of us, I think is to give ourselves the chance to decompress, to relax, to calm ourselves down in critical moments. But with breathwork, you can go in either direction. I love practicing breath work first thing in the morning, but I've noticed I've been really using it a lot now that I'm thinking about it all the time because of the book. You know, when I'm interacting with my kids mm. or getting ready to go on stage to do a speech or preparing for this interview, for example. Mm. Um, so there's lots of different ways in which you can use it. It's going to happen anyway. But if you do breathing patterns deliberately, you can actually learn to breathe better, enabling you to do all of the cool stuff you want to do in your life at a higher level.
0: It's really interesting. I, 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 you probably don't know much about rugby league, but rugby league is my favorite sport. And there was a really good example of that last weekend, there was a game which went to the death twice. It was a phenomenal game of sport. And it uh, you, you gets to the point where basically at the end of the game, the next person who wins scores, wins the game. It was that scenario. And there's this moment where this player who is kind of under a lot of pressure in his career. Had the opportunity to win the game. And they showed you him before and he does that. He literally, the ball's just about to come to him and he doesn't, he does that breath work. He, he literally, not the fast one, he does the slow one. And he, yeah. then he just and suddenly he just looks calm and he nails it. And it, it was really they, they talked a lot about it after the fact because it wasn't shown in live coverage. And it was just that real example. He had the awareness to go, okay. I'm in a high pressure moment. Actually, use my breathing technique. You know, and literally had like five seconds to make that. You know, just to do it in there, the clutch moment. Um, but it was just a really good example of what you're talking about.
3: Yeah, and when you're aware of it, you notice like the great public speakers, like politicians, the great ones. And I don't care about which side of the yeah. you know spectrum you're into in terms of politics, but you watch the great public speakers. What do they do right before they start speaking? They put their notes out, they look down, and you see them, they'll do two or three easy breaths. The great athletes in those critical moments notice that they're too activated, bring themselves back down into Mm -hmm. the ideal performance state. So you see this in business, you see this in sports, you see it in music, you might even see it in drama during a performance in an artistic environment, right? Like this is a universal human truth. And once you have access to these techniques, it really does enable you to take it up a notch. And more importantly, just like control your emotions when you're under pressure. That way you're not doing anything that you regret later. You're not saying anything that you regret later. You're not reacting yeah. to a situation. You're actually like responding to a situation.
0: Now when you so you know, you, there's obviously moments, you know, you're going to do a big talk. You've got a presentation, your kids are annoying you, whatever it is. Um, and then there's then there's the, the practice. So do you
3: recommend there's a routine in your life where you kind of, there's a certain period of time where you're going to do some breathing technique every day? I love doing it first thing in the morning, to be honest, like wake up, um, I, I scan a couple things just to make sure that, you know, my day is organized and I remind myself of what about what I've got to do for that day. Um, but during the sort of hour that I have before my kids wake up in the morning, I might do like an infrared sauna, might do some yoga, might do some stretching, might do a little bit of weights. But during that time, um, I'm really into doing some breath work at the moment. It just settles me down so much. Uh, i'm currently using an app called othership o h o o t h e r s h i p othership there's free breathwork sessions that you can do it's built by a buddy of mine that i know and it's just cool it leads you through 5 to 10 minutes of breathwork mm-hmm. accompanied to music and there's some breathworks that increase your activity levels some that calm you down i definitely use those later in the day but the ones that you know fire you up first thing in the morning like the breath of fire practice they really helped get me going. They helped me to wake up. They helped me to open up my, my rib cage. They helped me to sort of bring my attention back into the present moment. And it's just fun, interesting, and sets me up for the day. So that's what I've been doing recently. But I think back to like my athletic career as a swimmer and that's what we did, right? You learned to control your breathing as you were doing your sport. Running is very similar. Your breathing becomes entrained if you're in the weight room and you learn to and practice lifting where you exhale on contraction, inhale on relaxation or vice versa, depending on what you're doing, like you can integrate this into all sorts of different practices during the course of your day. Yoga is a beautiful way to do this. Meditation obviously incorporates thinking about a breathwork anchor. Uh, So when you're aware of it, you notice it sort of everywhere. Um, I do deliberate breathwork practice, but you can incorporate in the gym. If you're out for a run, if you're biking, getting ready for a presentation, all the things we've been speaking about so far.
0: So also ultimately it is maybe having a routine, which is like a little moment, but also capturing those moments and knowing to go to that place and use those tools.
3: Yeah. And I'm sure that that wasn't the first time in that rugby example that you gave yeah. where that individual has tried the breath of calm, right? Like mm. that wasn't the first time that he yeah. thought of doing that. Yeah. Clearly he's done that many, many, many times before, but he had the presence of mind and discipline in the moment to be like, I'm going to take 10 seconds here, five seconds, three seconds, whatever it was to actually just take one deep breath. Think about that. Like one deep breath may have changed the trajectory of his entire career because it was done at the perfect time. Yeah, Crazy. So that's the confidence, right? That's like having the confidence. I'm going to do this right now. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm taking a deep breath, bring myself back into the present moment and then go out there and do what I do. So, so
0: then you talk about exercise. Now, obviously there's a lot of information out there on exercise. So what kind of angle are you in your book? Are you
3: working on the exercise component around, um, you know, around this kind of powerhouse concept? So with regards to powerhouse, obviously it's about optimizing our mitochondria and the most powerful way for us to, stimulate the growth of new mitochondria. We actually get 2 billion roughly new mitochondria every single day. Oh wow. Uh, 98% of the cells in your body are, are replaced every 6 months based upon the foods that you eat and your genetics. Like we our bodies are constantly adapting and changing for better or for worse, right? Like if you sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix for a week you're going to get out of shape, <laughs> but if you go for a walk every day and do a little bit of meditation, you're going to positively adapt physiologically and psychologically. We've heard about neuroplasticity, the brain growing, bioplasticity, the body getting better. And so when it comes to exercise, the cool thing is, is that it sparks the growth of new mitochondria and it makes the mitochondria that you have stronger, more efficient, and more powerful. And you don't need to do a lot. You don't need to go very hard. Like LSD, which we call long, slow distance, not the drug, but like going for a long walk or going for a bike ride or going for a paddle. um, All of those rhythmical, repetitive activities send signals down into your muscles, into your brain to grow new mitochondria. So you don't need to go hard. You don't even need to put on workout gear. Just go for a walk and you're going to get more mitochondria and over the course of a few weeks, get more energy. Of course, if you want to go harder, that's fine, but you don't need to. We know that as little as 15 minutes of walking a day can cut your risk of 13 different types of cancer by 24 to 40%. Wow! We exercise three times a week. You cut your risk of cardiovascular disease by almost 50%. Um, three 45 minute activity sessions a week cuts your risk of depression and anxiety by almost 40%. So it's very, very powerful. You don't need to do very much and you don't need to go really hard to do it. Of course you can, you can do your marathon training and all that. It's awesome if you do. But for all of us that have, you know, maybe need to get back in shape a little bit after the pandemic, start small and you get all mm-hmm. of these benefits anyway.
0: So, um, so we'll kind of skip past the exercise because there's a lot out there. And, and so the third component was what? What was the third
3: component? It's, um, energy energize, And okay, so, so around energize. what I was, yeah. So yeah. what I was thinking there was just about this idea of, you know, of hormesis, right? A little bit of stress is good. A lot is not. Yep. And if we think about like an example is salt. Right. No salt, you die. The right amount of yep. salt is awesome. You're yeah, okay. you're actually healthier. Too much salt, you die. That's <laughs> the that, right? Like <laughs> um, but the there's some cool practices that a lot of people are into these days that follow the same pattern. So cold water immersion, the whole Wim Hof method thing is a big, big thing right now. And we know that a little bit of cold water immersion, so like five minutes at five to ten degrees Celsius at sort of 30 to 40 degrees Fahrenheit, depending on where you are in the world listening. Um, That five minutes of cold water immersion can really help the nervous system to shift from sympathetic stress fight and flight mode down into parasympathetic rest, recover, regenerate mode. It can basically turn on the recovery system inside your body. If you do too much cold water immersion, it's hypothermia and it's bad, but this sort of five minute window at cool to cold water is magic in terms of helping your nervous system to calm down, to repair, recover, and regenerate. If you don't feel like sitting in an ice bath or jumping into the ice lake behind me, where I am right now (laughs) in Canada, where it's very cold still in the middle of winter, at the end of winter, I should say, um, the 30-second shower, cold shower at the end of your shower in the morning, just turn the water down to cold, leave it for 30 seconds on your forehead or right between your shoulder blades. And that even has been shown to cut your risk of having upper respiratory tract infections like colds or flu's but like 30%. Wow. So even just like a little bit of cold water at the end of your shower right on your forehead or in between your shoulder blades can make a big difference for you. So I love these hormetic practices of like stressing your body just a touch mm-hmm. in order to get all of these massive benefits when it comes to our health and well-being. Cold being one of them, hot hot water is another one like getting into the sauna, taking a hot bath does Um, wonderful things for our body too, especially on the cardiovascular side. So there's loads of little practices like that that are fascinating, all of which bump up our energy levels.
0: When 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 you're talking about this, you know, there's these kind of, you know, the cold water, the hot water, Um, like, like for me, and this is totally random and it might not work at all, but listening to music is an energy lifter for me. Now, I'm not sure if this is we're going to that level that you're talking about here, and so I'm just kind of curious. But like for me, my, part of my morning process is I kind of do my daily planning, and then I put a song on, and I've got a very beautiful view for my office, and I just look out, and I, and th- there's an energy return massively, especially if I get the right song. You know, like a, there's a there's a release, and I there's a firing up of something. Now, is that is that going to get it to that microconjugal level, or like
3: like I don't know, I'm just kind of curious. I'm just thinking of the things that trigger energy release for me my music is a massive piece of the puzzle i love talking about music it's so powerful i've always loved music i've loved live music uh, yeah, going to same. concerts my entire yeah. life like seen some epic performances around the world from some of the most incredible artists and it leaves you on a high for days literally yeah and we um there's a cool piece of research i found a few years ago on the effect of music on the brain. And so um, the researchers played music and the subjects or the participants would listen to the music and then the MRI would scan the brain. And when we listen to music, there are seven regions of the brain that increase their activity levels in response to listening to music. Interestingly enough, these are the same seven regions of the brain whose activity levels are downregulated in depression. So music elevates your mood And improves your mental energy levels. It's incredible. Now, does that change your mitochondria? Yeah. Probably with repeated, repeated bouts over time of stimulating those neurons and getting them to do the work and creating the energy that generates the electricity that creates our perception of music, like over time. Yes, absolutely. If we think about the benefits of playing music, learning music. We know that that changes the way that the brain is structured and the white matter tracks deep mm-hmm. inside the brain. So yeah, music is a powerful tool for us to elevate our mood. Uh, and I believe to increase our performance. If you look at photos of most athletes in the minutes before they compete at the Olympic games, they're listening to music. Well, what right? I find really interesting them with that because
0: there, there's, there's, two aspects to this cause you've got these activities, you're talking about things like uh, the breathing things like, uh, you know, these techniques that are helping with the mitochondria. But let's be honest if we add music to those activities those activities are enhanced so you talk about how when you do Absolutely. your breathing techniques there's music the app that you know that has got music to it and i know like for me if, if i'm going for a run which is exercise if i listen to a podcast and you look at my average time and if, in comparison if i listen to music and i'm not even thinking about time i just run faster with music like you know what i mean too. and it doesn't feel as hard Absolutely. you know so it's like while there may not be the the obvious benefit of music to that microchondria piece we enhance the experience if we use music as a part of the activity with the mitochondria.
3: Absolutely, and the, let's take that another step further yeah, and okay. talk about entrainment, right? Because let's say you're out for a run and you're listening to great music that has mm. that rhythmical beat and pattern. First of all, it elevates your mood, you love it, but it has that beat and pattern that you can get into sync with, mm. that's entrainment. Now, the cool thing that will happen there as well is that your breathing will match your movement pattern. So eventually, once you're running, you will settle into a rhythmic, repetitive breathing pattern that is matched to your movement pattern. This happens automatically in swimming, for example, because you you have to breathe in time with the breath. It happens in rowing. You have to breathe in time with the breath. But it also happens in cycling and running and even walking. You'll settle into a breathing pattern. That's entrainment. That's actually what I studied in my doctorate many years oh, ago. Wow. Okay, cool. And what we've discovered is that when your breathing is entrained with your movements, music can help that happen. There's a shift in blood flow. And that blood flow gets more evenly distributed between your ribs and your diaphragm, which the body protects first to make sure that your breathing muscles have oxygen and blood flow so that they can keep you alive. But when that's optimized and really efficient, the blood flow is then redirected to your arms and legs to make the movement easier. So it's, it's called the muscle sympathetic nerve activation hypothesis. If anyone wants to look it up from Dr. Jerome Dempsey's lab in Wisconsin. Um, but what you're talking about, there is this really cool rhythmical repetitive pattern that we can get into with the assistance of music while our mood is being elevated. Mm -hmm. It'd be super cool for everyone to go out and experiment with that a little bit and find your and create your, let's say running playlist. Mm. that enables you to, you know, do your absolute best on some epic runs. I definitely have some music that I run and cycle well to um, and podcasts, even the Dr. Greg Wells podcast or your podcast, yeah. like our <laughs> podcast. Don't Listen to them when you're out for a run, use that in, traffic well, I, when you're yeah, stuck in the car. Think about what, when you, what type of running you're doing, <laughs> but
0: yeah, it is that thing of, cause it's that thing of we, these activities you're talking about. Like, I love this idea of like, I had my morning meeting with myself, which is just that planning time for my day. And I've just yeah. always thought, how do I make it better? And, you know, once I was kind of, okay, if I had some music to it and I take them moment to enjoy the view and, you know, it's that kind of if you're going to add a breathing technique or process to your day, then how do you make it better? And like you're talking about, you're using an app, and the app has music and it has its guided, and it's you know, and so it's a, it's one thing to have an activity. It's then what's the evolution of that activity which
3: adds more value to it. That's right, and mm. making it more enjoyable, right? Like yeah. running to beautiful music that you love is just a better experience oh. if you do it outdoors in a gorgeous environment on an awesome day. Like it just makes life magic, right? Those yeah. are the, those are those moments of awe that we want to try to craft in our yeah. life. That's where we get back to thriving. That's where we get back to. Yeah, well, let's go into like this. this. So, so,
0: so when you talk about thriving, yeah. I know, like I know, uh, it seems obvious when you say that we're thriving, but as in, in, in a practical application, what are we doing to make sure
3: we thrive? you know, there's a whole bunch of things that we can do talking about joy, happiness, altruism. But since we sort of went down that road, I I want to just think about this idea of thriving and little things we can do to deliberately create more thriving in our life. And uh, uh, Robin Sharma, who wrote The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, yep. ran an event called the Titan Summit. And at that event, I heard the idea of people, places, and pursuits. And I'd love for everyone listening to think about The people in your life who elevate you, who are the five people, maybe personally and five people professionally who elevate you, who make you better, who you love training with, who you love spending time with. Because when we have great people around us, awesomeness just enters into into our life, right? We just have more fun. We have better conversations. We are challenged to become better people. If we then think about the places, where is it that you love to go? This could be where you love to go do your workouts. It could be a park bench near your, near your house. It could be a room in your home. It might even be your office. If you're so lucky, it could be the beach, like wherever it happens to be for you. When you know that there are certain places that elevate your mood and your energy, let's deliberately plan on going there. You mentioned not being able to travel for two and a half years and you didn't even realize that you were really missing it. And then when you did it again, you're like, oh man, I really needed that. And for you, it just might be the world, right? If you're doing, If you're doing travel, I'm the same. I love traveling. And then the final piece of the puzzle would be pursuits. What is it that you love to do? What are the activities that bring you joy? Where do you get your magic moments? What creates awe for you? You know, I'm so fortunate I get to spend a lot of my life public speaking. I love public speaking. I love being on stage. It's so fun doing a performance. But I also love cycling in the woods. Mm-hmm. I love open water swimming. I love the mountains. I know that Judith, my wife, loves the beach and the heat and the ocean. right? So when you know what brings you to life, what brings you joy, where it's easy for you to create magic we can start to craft the opportunity to go there more often. You don't need to be travel. I just happens to be what I think about. It could be a park near your house. It could be your art studio. It could be where you play music, right? It could be absolutely anything. But we have that awareness around people, places, and pursuits. That's how we begin to craft more awesomeness in our life. I love it.
0: And one thing to kind of throw into that is also, how do you be that person who is one of those five in other people's lives? You know, like I love that, you know, that, and that's that leadership, you know, like as, as a leader, I'm, I, I understand it's my role, but also I'm trying to create those worlds for people. I want the, the worlds that I create that, that you know, that place that they go, oh man, this is my space. You know, it's, um, but if you can be, it's that choice architecture thing, isn't it? Is that how do you actually be influential on those things for yourself, but also externally as well?
3: Yeah. And like giving 51% to relationships, right? Like Uh, always making sure that it's just a little bit you're giving you're making sure that you're contributing just as much as you're receiving yeah and when you get these upward spirals right these groups of people that elevate each other and encourage each other and challenge each other like i've got a whatsapp group of my my buddies and we text each other when we do a workout it's ridiculous but it's (laughs) quite motivating, right? Or we'll flip a little video up and be like, Hey guys, just finished workout. There's the sun coming up. I noticed none of you have done your workout yet. (laughs) Have an awesome one. I'm out. Right. So we just like challenge each other and and, and all of that. So if you need to find, and what first step would be like, find the people who are they Mm -hmm. and make sure that we then schedule time, go for the walks, make the phone calls, go do the workouts, go to the concerts, whatever it happens to be. And then obviously make sure that we're contributing to the relationship. You're giving, you're listening, you're, you're helping, you're encouraging, uh, not that you want to deplete yourself. Obviously we're looking for relationships that elevate us, right? Like Mm -hmm. that create that upward spiral of awesomeness. Uh, when we develop that life gets pretty amazing. The other cool thing is it will then by extension naturally, excuse me, displace the people who maybe aren't yeah. elevating you, yeah. Yeah. right? And maybe are taking away your energy or are not encouraging you or are telling you that you can't do that thing. And that's yeah. when it gets really interesting. And when life starts to go on a very cool trajectory, this book sounds really awesome. And again, it's called powerhouse, but, um, when
0: let's say someone who's listening to this is kind of, you know, cause there'll be aspects of people who do some of the stuff. There'll be aspects of people who read a book and will apply. And There'll be aspects who kind of, this is like a revolutionary for them. Um,
3: what, what, what's the approach to application, if you get what I mean? Yeah. So at the back of the book, there's a 100 day mitochondrial makeover Oh, look at you challenge. go, you legend. Hey. <laughs> so, cause I, I landed in the same place. I'm like, yeah. okay, fair enough. There's all this information. So what do you do? And I was telling yeah. my editor, I was like, oh, well, what do we do? Like, normally I've got my four tips or something like that. And we looked into it and re- there's research from university college of London that shows that it takes anywhere from 20 to 120 days to install a new habit. And so the average being 66. So I was like, okay, well, we want people to do at least 66 days. Why don't we push it a little bit further and say it's 100 days. And that's kind of cool because it matches up with the idea that 98% of your cells are replaced every six months. So it's sort of like getting you at least halfway towards that goal. So we're installing new habits, we're building new life, uh, a new life, but then doing it in a very, very simple, easy way. Great. So the one tip per day, super simple, very, very straightforward, might be as simple as drink a glass of water today, go for a five minute walk, do three minutes of meditation, right? Like mm. little tiny, easy things, call a friend, um, just to guide you through 100 days of simple things that you can do every single day to spark your mitochondria, Build better health, improve your well-being, and ultimately, at the end of that time, have a noticeable difference in terms of your ability to do the things that you love to do the most and perform to your potential. Whatever it is that you meet is meaningful to you.
0: I love it. I love it because I think often you know one of the downfalls, uh, you, know, you know this is right. You know, we write books because we want to help people change you know, and so many people buy a book and go, that's a good idea and never actually change. And so, and sometimes it's because there's no real pathway at, at the end of the point or at the end. And then I love the fact you've really thought of that and actually here's a good challenge and people love a challenge. And because what we want to do is we want them to understand a different way, you know, and so by putting a challenge in place, you letting them see that, Hey, here's
3: the benefits of actually doing these activities, aren't you? Yeah. That's the idea, right? It's just simple things you can do a little bit of guidance. So you don't need to think about it or figure it out Know that it's grounded. If you want to look them up, they're all explained in detail earlier in the book. You could actually skip the entire book and just go to chapter five and do the hundred day challenge and get all the benefits if you trust me. Um, But yeah, that's the idea, right? Like you and I, that's what we do. We help people. We want to create environments and communities where success is inevitable by making the environment awesome. So we write books, we do podcasts, we coach people. And um, if anyone goes along for the journey and has fun with it, then it just means the world to us. It's like, it's why we do what we do. So it's super cool to be able to share it. Well, oh, it's awesome stuff. Okay. So the, the book is there, is there a longer title? Is it just there's often the subtitle? Yeah. So it's um powerhouse, protect your energy, optimize your health, and supercharge your performance. And uh, yeah, book number five. So would love it if people checked it out. It'd be amazing. It's on Amazon and everywhere else that you order it. Um if you go to my website, drgregwells.com and uh, just click on books, you'll see it right there.
0: I highly recommend it. I think it will be going to get hold of it and read it myself. I really think it sounds really fascinating. You always do great work. Thanks for coming on the show. I'll put a link to his website, Greg's website in the show notes. Um, good luck with the book. Keep doing what you're doing, Thanks, mate. Buddy. You're doing really important work.
3: Right on. I can't wait to come down under and see you guys and, uh, get out of North America and explore New Zealand and Australia a little have you bit. Been I have, I've been a number of times. I've okay. been to Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, I uh, have not yet been to Brisbane, really feel like I need to get up there. And a yep. buddy of mine from New Zealand was just visiting. We went skiing in North America. So I need to come down to New Zealand and, and hang out down there and visit him you too. Do. You're, so you're, definitely like, a lot of travel coming up. Based
0: on what I know about you, because you're you're an outdoors man, New Zealand, you'd you'd love it. You know, I like, may never go home. Yeah. Well, I, don't know. I think, I think where well, you are <laughs> is pretty see. good as well. But, yeah, but hey, thanks for too. your time, man. Um, keep up
3: the good work. You're a legend. All right. Take care.
0: Um, you wouldn't have heard this one, John, but it's a really good book. We'll put a link to it in the show notes, um, and you can check it out.
1: Uh, yeah, so
0: there you go. Anyway, John, let's... Um, quiz, 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 time. Quiz, quiz time. Okay, who got so th- I know Michaela Jones got second.
1: Yes, yeah, so this is the Sydney Olympics. Who got the bronze medal at the Sydney Olympics um, in the year 2000?
0: Will I know the third female?
1: No. Okay, who is it? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Magalie Mesmer.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the boys... So Whitfield took it. It was a bit of a sprint, and then he took away, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he kind of pulled away at the end. Yep, yep. I'm just ch- just double checking. I remember who it was, but I'm almost positive I do. I know he got second and third, and I'm pretty sure I've got the order. Um, would I know the second and third? No. Okay. <laughs> where, where we go? Uh, so I'm pretty sure it's Jan Rahula. It was either Jan Rahula or Stefan Vukovic, who's German and... For second? For third, and I'm going Jan Rahula, which I just said, and I've just pulled it up and I was correct. And who was second? Uh, Stefan Vukovic.
0: So they were, they were, that was was a shock, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. That top three?
1: Yeah. Like, no one was picking that, was it? Not a pick that at all. Absolutely no chance. What happen? Um There's a lot of pressure at the first Olympics and it was one of those things, the, the top kahunas, well... You could say Hamish Carter was on a slide, but then he came back and won it. But they were at, the, towards the end of their career. The Lessing know, race? Sorry, the Lessing Le- race. Yeah, he 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 got like 10th or something. But he right. wasn't at
0: his peak anymore, was he?
1: Um, well, he, he got ninth. Yeah, no, he was. Okay. Uh, but it was kind of at the very end of his peak. Yeah, okay. So he was just about to start the slide, um, but he was the raging hot favourite. So uh, going into it, who were you picking? Lessing? Lessing. Then Hamish Carter. And then probably some of the Aussies, because you expected them to perform on home soil. So you had Peter Robertson, um, Craig Walton was your sort of your option if if would break away and just smash it. Um, so that's probably the the main ones you you were picking. So what what, what what happened in the race? I can't remember it. It was just a big bunch. Um, from memory, the, the groups came together and they pretty much all came off the bike together and, and, that's and the young guys had the run. Yeah, um, I can't actually remember what happened in the females' race whether it was one big bunch or not, but it basically came down to a running race. Females, yeah, I'm pretty positive it was Magalie Mesmer. Um, Let's just double-check that. Come on, Interweb. Yes, Magalie Mesmer. Uh, She finished third. She was 27 seconds behind McKaylee Jones, and she was a little bit in front of Joanna Zyger and Loretta Harrop. So, again... Yeah, you, you certainly would have picked McKaylee Jones to be on the podium, uh, and if not winning it, and there was a few other names there that you would have thought might have been up there a little bit higher, mainly Loretta Harrop and Sheila Tormina, um and p- potentially probably not, not so much Joanna Zyga, but um, yeah. What, what was it like?
0: Because like you, like, you, you would have been deeply passionate about sport at this moment.
1: Uh, well, I was overseas, so I don't even. No, I don't. Remember, I don't remember it um, that much. Oh, well, what was I, thought, I doing I in two thousand? Yeah, no, I was, uh, no, I was in Hong Kong in two thousand, I think. Yeah. Oh, well. So. What were you doing in Hong Kong? Um, uh, procrastinating. <laughs> <laughs> Did a lot of stuff in Asia, and then I was. But what were you doing, uh, doing work-wise? Uh, just a bit of sales, sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I finished racing. What were you selling? Uh, advertising in this sort of touristy type book thing with another triathlete. It was just a first job kind of yeah, thing. I yeah. finished racing at the end of ninety, ninety nine, and so that was sort of yeah, two thousand. Were you good at sales? uh no but over there you're just because you're a kiwi people will talk to you oh really and so same Don't thing open doors yeah and you're selling to an expat market and it's the same when i was in the uk i did a, a an advertising sales job and um you just as long as you get in the front door and you just say, oh, you're kiwi, you Kiwi, start chatting away and yeah <laughs> boom. so any outwork people that's just uh show no, me the money yeah well, i wouldn't say i was good sales but i outwork people so yeah Mm.
0: Yeah, this is a process. Okay, let's uh, wrap things up. Jonbo, let's say thank you to our patrons.
1: Anthony, long train running weeks. James the Red Rocket Thomas And Rob Fast Fancy
0: Feet Go to all our patrons If you want to become a patron of the show Go to me Go through the patron process Support the boys and the show If this is a part of your triathlon week Chucking a few dollars our way really helps uh, For coaching, coachjohnnewson.com Camp, epic Camp, epiccamp.com, anything from me, com, and any emails, IamTalkPodcast at gmail.com. Jumbo,
1: you're in Kateri. We're in Kateri. Um so going to be interesting. We're normally doing some open water swimming at this time of the year, but it's been bloody freezing, so I'm taking the old uh, thermal wetsuit up there, really. give, it a, give it a bit of a whirl, and uh, yeah, plenty of mountain biking this week, and bit of just, just chilling. school holidays. work? Uh, yeah, I'll have to do a bit of work up there. Yep. Yep. Get up in the morning. Is it
0: just your family or other families coming? Uh,
1: it is just our family. There was going to be another family coming, but they need to go away on a work trip, so it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, we'll just be chilling. It's good. There's no interweb up there. No, we, no, it's a no, no Wi-Fi or anything. So what about, you about get, your work? I uh, just connect hotspot off the phone. Oh, so you're allowed it? I'm allowed it. No <laughs> one else is. <laughs> yeah, so,
0: so you're allowed it. With yeah. Kid. Do the kids go? Do can get a hotspot? Your phone?
1: Uh, they're allowed one hour a day. yep. But how much data do you have? Uh, I have enough But they're only allowed One hour a day Yeah Yeah
0: It's great Yeah
1: Get them out What's happening for you Bevan
0: Well actually This week I'm going to Queenstown Oh nice Not this week This week Oh that's this week time This week we record mm. Yeah so No well because it's ANZEK weekend mm. So Joe and I are going to go down to Queenstown Because we're going to Bali in July for three weeks mm-hmm. Can't wait mm-hmm. But it's just a little bit too far away
1: Need a You know, like Maybe You know bye. when you've
0: got a really good break You're looking forward to But it's still like mm-hmm. three months mm mm-hmm. So I'm not getting excited about Bali, so I said, to Joe, we should probably go down to Queenstown. So we're going to go down to Queenstown for four
1: days. Yeah, because we've got a public holiday over here that's on a Tuesday. If anybody goes to work on Monday, the schmucks. So yeah. like it's a four-day four yeah. weekend. Yeah. So like one day of the year you're going to take off. It's that day. Yep. so
0: we're in that day, so we're going to do that. And then, uh, yeah, so good. I love Queenstown. It's a great place to holiday. Hmm. Queenstown's good because you've got – we we, we stay is lovely. You've got lots of walks, lots of nature, but there's still stuff to do. You still go do some little mm-hmm. bit of shopping if you want to. You've got good restaurants. We don't really do any adventure stuff, but mm. hire a bike. Mm-hmm. Great spot. If you ever come to New Zealand, go to each first. Yep.
1: go to have <laughs> a of gardens, fourth biggest in the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do, it, do the figure eight. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Anyway, John, let's wrap it up.
1: I'm Russ. I'm not Train hard. Train
0: smart. Kia car. car.